This is Humans of Sydney podcast, season two, episode three. I'm with Smee, Sachin, and I'm with Dougal Cameron today. Um, so this is the first time we've properly met Dougal. Um, so the way we sort of got to know about him was that he was at a party and it was with one of Sachin's friends, Harry Quirk, yeah. and they sort of mentioned that, um, that so Dougal does his own podcast, so we just started ours and that we should have a chat. And then, yeah, we just organised on Facebook to meet each other. So Dougal has his own podcast, talks a lot about sport, um, politics. He's actually met some politicians before, met some prominent figures. Um, and yeah, we just thought we'd have a chat, we'd be able to learn a bit um, from him about politics and what's happening today. So yeah, do you want to introduce yourself a bit? Well, thanks for that. Um, it's good to be with you guys. The, uh, there's a few, few people who are arrogant enough to think that... Um, their conversations are good enough for everybody else to listen to. And, um, <laughs> it's nice to be in that space. So my name is uh, Dougal Cameron. I have a, a kind of podcast, YouTube channel uh, that I do with my two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. Um, what interests us most is like politics and, and sports, uh, I guess. We have a particular interest in like American politics. We often find that American politics is, is a little bit more interesting, particularly with characters like mm. Donald Trump. Mm. Um, but we like to talk about a, a whole range of, of different things. Um, we have like a weekly podcast called The Wrap mm. where we give like, it's kind of 50% news, 50% uh, entertainment probably. Um, and then we have a YouTube channel where we do um, like interviews with different figures. Yeah. And, Who um, are some of those figures you've had on before? Well, so we've had some people from like the Australian Conservatives, from the Animal Justice Party, um, like Michael Deloyakovo, who's a Senate candidate. We've had Corey Bernardi, who's a Senate candidate. We're about to release uh, an interview with Mark Latham from the One Nation in New South Wales government. Um, and we talk about a lot of different things. I mean, it's interesting um, to talk about, uh, you know, some things like marijuana legalisation with like the Australian Conservatives, for instance, or Mark Latham. Um, who are, you know, traditionally kind of anti-drugs, but when you kind of talk to them about it, about like the war on drugs, about should people go to jail for like smoking a joint in their house or, or should people go to jail for like having a pill at a festival or something, mm. like you find that people are actually a bit more open-minded than, mm -hmm. than you might have thought before. Yeah, interesting. Um, and I think that's, that's often one of the things um, that, that I like doing about podcasts, you might find it as well, is that... People can be, I think, a lot more combative when they're online mm. because they're not face-to-face -face with someone. They say things they wouldn't say if they sure. were face-to-face. -face. Sure. Um, they will be a bit more harsh and critical. They won't necessarily listen yeah. the same way. So talking about Jack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. People's opinions aren't like as black and white as they present. Because yeah. yeah. obviously when you present yourself, you're going to present the thing that you believe in like top of all when you only have a mm. certain amount of time, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of nuance in people's opinions. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And you want to come off as if you kind of have the answers. Um, you want people to look at you as like, all right, that's a guy who knows what's going on and we can kind of put our, our trust in him to, to understand the world. Yeah. Um, but the truth is the kind of more I've researched into topics and the uh, the more podcasts and, and kind of material that, that I've covered, it's almost like the less confident I feel in the opinions I had before. Like um, I try to be as open-minded uh, as yeah. I can, but I realise like I don't have the answers, my brothers don't have the answers. And that's one of the things I, uh, you know, if, if the mainstream media was kind of doing its job, let's say, and by mainstream media, I mean like um, news outlets in America, like Fox, CNN, MSNBC, mm -hmm. and in Australia, like SMH, um, Australian, whatever, <clears throat> there wouldn't really be a market for people to talk about politics and alternative media mm, yeah. because 
of all the funding that mainstream media gets, the attention it gets, the status it gets, it has all these advantages which alternative mm. media outlets mm. don't have. Why are they not doing their job? In what way? Yeah, so they're not covering a lot of, uh, of facts and stories. They're promoting, uh, like, narratives. There's a range of acceptable opinions you're allowed mm. to have and a range of unacceptable opinions. I mean, one of the things, uh, you know, we can talk about is, like, this Trump impeachment thing, right? Mm. So can if you, you explain at, that just in layman's terms? Yeah, so impeachment is basically what happens when the, the president gets fired by the parliament in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so regardless of how the public voted, um, kind of the, the government in America can, can vote to fire the president. Um, and so that's the, that process is happening against Donald Trump right now as mm-hmm. we speak. Now, whether that's successful or not is going to be a different so question. So they're going to vote. Is They're going to vote no matter what. Uh, yeah, so there's that, that kind of impeachment process, they okay. say, has started. And that started by the, uh, a lady called Nancy Pelosi, who's mm-hmm. the leader of the, the kind of House Democrats. Wait, so the people in the government who vote half for Trump, are these like the House of Reps, the senators? Like yeah. who, who are these people actually? Yeah, so it's like the, uh, I think there's the House, which is what Nancy Pelosi is the leader of, and then there's the Congress. And I think it has to okay. pass both. Okay. And this is kind of one of the interesting things is because the Democrats have a majority in the House. If they pass the bill, uh, but then it gets rejected by Congress, uh, which is Republican controlled, yeah. that actually nullifies, apparently this is what I read this today, Trump's first term. So all the, he keeps all his achievements and stuff, but it means that Trump could actually run for a third term uh, if he chose to. No so you could potentially get 12 years of Trump if this impeachment wow. process backfires Has, back on the wow. Dems. How can uh, the Democrats control one house and the Republicans the other? Yes. How does that work? Yeah, well, so it's like um, in... So in Australia, you vote for like your House of Representatives candidates yeah. and then you vote for the, the Senate candidates. And mm. it's, it's the same thing. And uh, like a similar sort of system. Mm. Um, and often what happens, uh, similar in Australia, is if you have one government that's uh, one party that's in control of like the House of Representatives, for instance, mm. you often want the other party in control of, of the Senate, right? Okay, it balances it out. Because it balances it out. Okay. It means that you won't get carried away with things now. Sure. Yeah. One of the funny things from the 2016 election is that Republicans came out with the president uh, majority in the House and a majority in the Senate. Mm. I think a lot of, because a lot of people didn't expect Donald to win the presidency, so they voted Republicans like in the Senate. I so see. they came out with all three. And that's one of the reasons why Donald Trump has been able to uh, do quite a lot in his first few years as president. Um, but so anyway, Trump has this impeachment thing against him, which has um, been pushed forward by Nancy Pelosi, who's the leader of Democrats uh, in the House. Now, this came from uh, a phone call that Trump had with the Ukrainian president, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Trump uh, essentially asked the president, the transcript's been released, um, he asked the president to investigate Joe Biden and his son Hunter for potential corruption. For those of us who don't know, who's Joe Biden? So Joe Biden is was uh, Obama's vice president. Okay. So during eight years when Obama was there, he was the number two guy. Yeah. Uh, he has a son, Hunter Biden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so Trump asked the Ukrainian president to... Uh, it's actually continued investigation. And yeah. so what's happened is a lot of the mainstream media has erupted, Democrats have erupted... Um, basically saying that Trump is using his political office uh, of, of the president to do kind of politi- personal political favours. Sure. Right? Mm. So they've, they've launched this process of impeachment against him. Yeah. What, what would be his motive in asking the Ukraine president yeah. of all people? Yeah. So, so this is where it gets quite interesting because the mainstream media is doing their absolute best to spin it as Trump asks uh, Ukraine president to do personal favours and avoid the actual subject matter uh, as much as possible now. Mm-hmm. The subject matter, to give like a short little history, a short timeline goes something like this. Now, when... Joe was the vice president to Obama. He was in charge of a range of things, one of them being um, 
the Ukraine portfolio in foreign affairs. So he was in charge of America's dealings with Ukraine. Um, now, in 2014, Joe and his son Hunter took an official trip to Ukraine where, where Joe was doing official business and Hunter had some, like, business meetings to... Uh, oh, sorry, before that. So this, <clears throat> I mixed up the order a little bit. In 2013, um, this gives you a bit, bit more extra context, uh, Joe and Hunter went to China, right? So Joe Biden, Vice President Hunter, is just Vice President's son. So Joe had a meeting with uh, President of China, President Xi, um, Joe, uh, Hunt had a range of, of business meetings and anyway, they came back to America and 10 days later, uh, in 2013, Hunter Biden had, uh, was part of a $1.5 billion private equity fund, right? Um, now, <clears throat> Hunter Biden has no experience with China and no experience in private equity, <laughs> but he's part of his $1.5 billion fund. Now, what could he possibly be offering to this fund other than access to Joe Biden or political influence? Because Ooh. this was also at a time when uh, big international financial companies like Goldman Sachs and Deutsche Bank could not get any money out of China. They were they, all, all day, all night, they were trying to get money out of China and couldn't do it. Why? Right? Um, well, because uh, the Chinese government, um, basically it was Chinese government control um, their restrictions on... Um, they had a range of restrictions on, on taking money out of China. People still have quite a hard time uh, yeah. with it today. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, you go one year forward to 2014, Joe and Hunter go to Ukraine. Now, um, Joe is, one of the things Joe's in charge of is giving foreign aid to Ukraine, so he gives them their money. Hunter has a range of, like, private business meetings, apparently. Now, Joe, uh, Hunter Biden gets on the board of a Ukrainian oil gas energy giant called Burisma Holdings, right? Now, Hunter Biden, again, no experience with Ukraine, no experience mm. with energy, starts yeah. getting paid 80K a month in America by a Ukrainian firm. Okay? Really? Jesus. So, well, you ask, why is he getting paid so much money? Mm. And by the way, this is actually not just limited to the Bidens. Like, mm. big political families like the Bushes, is, is, it always kind of happens like this. Mm. Um, but so anyway... The Ukrainian state, prosecute, uh, Ukrainian state prosecution starts investigating Burisma Holdings for corruption. You know, wonder why. Anyway, uh, Hunter Biden becomes involved in this investigation for corruption, right? So Joe Biden learns that his son is, is under investigation uh, by the New York Times in 2015. He asked the Ukrainian president to fire the state prosecutor. Uh, he didn't fire the state prosecutor. So 2016, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine gets to Ukraine and says, and he's on video talking about this, and you, mm. can, you can see the quote of what I'm about to tell you. Mm. He, says to, he says to Ukraine, I'm leaving the airport in six hours. If you don't have the state prosecutor fired, you're not getting $1 billion in uh, foreign aid. Really? Um, and th then he goes on to say, well, you know, the son of a bitch got fired. Um, so then anyway, we, we come back to today, right? where Trump has gone through two years of this whole Russia investigation, which mm -hmm. found absolutely nothing, the, uh, no collusion. The media goes uh, absolutely nuts um, that Trump had a phone call where he asked the Ukrainian president to investigate Biden. Totally doesn't talk about anything Biden or his son uh, Hunter has done. Um, and what you see is, is a big mismatch in priorities in the mainstream mm. media, uh, in like establishment politicians, and, and kind of this is where I'd link it back to, this is a space where alternative media comes in. Because often 
if you if you read the the front page stories on CNN, MSNBC, basically anyone else except Fox, it will be Trump inappropriately uses presidential power to win mm-hmm. a political favor, mm-hmm. right? That but shouldn't we be focusing on him as he is the head statesman? He's the president. That's the person we should be targeting the most. Oh, look, sure. Can I tell you, I, I absolutely agree with you mm. um, that we should be laser focused on Trump. Um, but <laughs> Trump has released a transcript of the call. Mm. Uh, no, nobody's really found anything wrong yeah. with it. The actual impeachment uh, process was um, put forward before the transcript was revealed. The transcript's revealed and, and there's basically nothing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shows there's, there's a double standard um, mm. between what's applied to Donald Trump and what's applied to basically every other politician. Yeah. Now, so if you go on, on our podcast, we're often quite friendly to Donald Trump. We have a range of, of gripes with Donald. Um, for example, we don't like him bombing um, Syrian uh, air bases. And we can talk about that because we think Assad is actually probably a really good guy. Um, and we think that the chemical attacks probably did not happen uh, by Assad, right? There's a, there was a range I don't of know chem- enough about so it. So there was a range of um, chemical attacks which happened uh, on Syrian towns mm. while the Assad government was trying to reclaim Syria from ISIS. Yeah. Um, they were all attributed... There, there were two chemical attacks, separate ones. They were both attributed to Assad, who was the previous uh, president of Syria, mm. while he was trying to fight ISIS to get Syria back. Mm. And what that meant was that um, America and, and the allies and, and kind of Western countries... Mm-hmm. Uh, could go and support the rebels and fight uh, Assad because uh, they didn't want Assad to get into power because Assad is actually friends with Putin, right? So they did their best to, to crush us, uh, kind of crush Assad and crush ISIS, but it was, it was a total mess, right? So Donald Trump comes along and actually says, look, um, he said during his presidential campaign that, that he would just let Russia and Assad deal with it, and that's actually the smartest move um, as far as I can tell. But... Um, so, so when Donald, Donald Trump bombed uh, Assad's air bases, actually, and that's one of the things we don't like about, about Donald. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a, there are a few mm. things we don't like about Donald, mm. but overall we do quite like him. Um, and part of me... Is that, is that his political orientation or just his role as a president? Like, do you kind of separate him from his policies and his actions and, like, kind of... Yeah, it, it seems as you're kind of doing that. Yeah, well, there's, there's, mm. there's a few different ways to look at Donald. Um, there's probably 30% of America that would vote for Donald Trump regardless of his policies, just because they like him as a cultural figure. You know, he's anti-politically correct. Mm. Uh, he loves America. He's. Mm. Well, um, why is this whole idea of being anti-politically um, correct, why does that resonate with so many people at the moment? Uh, I think it resonates with so many people because um, political correctness doesn't mean being nice or courteous anymore. Yeah. Politically correct um, has uh, undertones of a range of political opinions. Um, and it's, as far as I can tell, the political, the, where the political correctness movement goes wrong uh, is because it goes back to judging people on things they can't change, right? So if you are politically correct um, or if you, uh, where, where political correctness is kind of synonymous with intersectional feminism, um, there's a range of opinions you can't have. Yeah. Um, and the problem with that is that like 50% of America holds those opinions. Um, but if you were, uh, if you were to say something like um, women aren't oppressed in Western countries, if you were to say that publicly, there's a chance you would lose your job. Um, there's a chance you would be like you'd probably a lot of people would come after you on Twitter. Like right now, it's uh, you will be get Twitter strikes or be ban- or be banned off Twitter. If Do you, you think women are oppressed in Western countries? Um, I would say no. 
Um, what, what do you mean by the word oppressed? Well, well, that's the question, right? Mm. Um, but if you cha- if if you say that, what do you mean by oppressed? It's almost like you get this thing I, you're I validating. Th- yeah, if, if I'm I'm not sure if oppressed is the right word. I think like inequity and equal rights and equality are sort of better ways to look at it. Things like talking about sexual assault, sort of gender pay gaps. I think in this context, oppressed is defined as inequality. Yeah. Inequality of outcomes and treatment. I think think when you look at it from oppressed, you could see from um, sort of large corporations and uh, very wealthy people sort of not given equal equal pay in that sort of way you can Mm. potentially see it. Well, well, let's let's talk about it. Um, In what areas do you see... Uh, look, I think women face a set of unique challenges that men don't face. I also think that men face a unique set of challenges that women don't face. So if you want to say one's more oppressed than the other, um, I think that's a conversation I'm open to having now. If you want to say that there are unequal outcomes, um, I don't mind if there are unequal outcomes as long as they're the results of people's own decisions. right? If there are unequal outcomes because somebody's controlling you, um, okay. then, then that's so something to be worried just about. Just to break that down... Let's say in society there's one man and one woman, mm-hmm. and just as a thought experiment. Um, so the, the woman chooses to work, just by her own right, she chooses to work four, and um, the man chooses to work eight, and they earn different amounts of money. Mm. Then, yeah, I would say that's fine, because that, that's a personal choice, there's nothing obstructing you. But if they work the same, and they same earn job and same, like the job, same hours, same hours, same responsibilities, then I would expect people to be earning the same. Mm, sure, absolutely. I think yeah. everyone would agree with okay. you on that. Yeah. Um, and what people are saying is that the the pay gap statistics which get presented, which are vary on country, but they're like between 17 cents to 22 cents, uh, are absolutely the result of things like choices or, or men working longer hours or men choosing fields that pay more. I mean... Obama, the Obama White House came out when he was still president and said, hey, we have to deal with the pay gap problem. They then did a survey of all the people in the Obama, uh, working in Obama's office, Mm. and they found that the pay gap between men and women in his office was actually more than the national average. And so then Obama said, well, that's just because men and women are doing different jobs and and men are working slightly more or or whatever, which is all the same reasons why people denied the, the pay gap in the first place. So the pay gap, if you say, well, if you add up all the money men make and all the money women make and you divide it by the amount of men working and the amount of women working, you will get that statistic of like 20 cents or, mm-hmm. or um, whatever. But when you consider all the other factors which are relevant, like what fields are people working in, what hours um, are people working, have uh, they been working their whole career or have they taken off like five or 10 years where they have been raising children? It's mm. like when you actually take in those factors, my understanding is that the pay gap totally uh, evaporates. Um, mine is, I, I, I acknowledge that there are some of those factors at play and it's probably not as large as it's put out to be, but I'm pretty sure most things suggest there's still some bit that isn't accounted for by any factors, but obviously it de- decides I, I on think, what factors. Yeah, me and Sachin will have to look into this. This is a very sensitive mm. issue, obviously. Yeah. I'm, I have to do my own research. Sure, so here's, here, here's an interesting question, right? Um, that's good. There's, there's a factual answer to that somewhere, right? Um, why do you think it's a, a sensitive issue? Why is it sensitive? I think because uh, I think if you frame the question in a particular way, you can almost be saying, I want sort of women to be having less opportunity. Um, and if you answer it in a certain way, and obviously you don't want to say that, but you, so you want to... I, I yeah. think I think it's sensitive it's also because like we both want to be progressive. We're both kind of progressive people, socially progressive well, people, definitely. Let, let me just preface that. Like, I would describe myself as, like, progressive in most ways. But I would, like, I, I put the truth before, like, either being progressive, conservative, left or right. I'd prefer to focus on the truth and delve into these issues. Mm. But 
like I would, I would hopefully um, want the truth to come out in a sort of progressive way. Obviously, if you like look through history and the way that sort of women have been held back in a number of ways, I'd want there to be progressive outcomes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so like my, I'm very similar to that, but my personal belief is that men and women don't have equal opportunities right now, and that should be the case. And instead of focusing on nuances, on um, definitions and like statistics here and there, we should acknowledge that overall, women don't have the same opportunities as men. Of course, it's changing. Well, you, I mean, if you, you get to that point, you do need to look through the statistics. No, I'm, I'm not saying that we should kind of completely surpass the statistics, but I think there's a lot of men that spend their time debating whether there is a pay gap or not and, like, all those kinds of things. But overall, they would acknowledge that there's an in, in, inequality of outcomes kind of thing. Mm. And I feel like we should be focusing more on improving those inequality well, of outcomes. I, I think what Dougal was saying, though, that it's not bad if there is an inequality of outcomes. If it comes by means of people um, yeah, choosing yeah. different Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I understand that point, but it, that's, like, only in a monetary and, like, job sense that we're talking about. There's a lot of oh, other, yeah, other yeah, things yeah, that, sure. that I'm talking yeah, no, overarching, of course, of course. which mm. I think people get lost in this whole gender pay gap, but there's inequality across a whole domain okay, of let's, things. Let's take another example. Um, I think that most people would say the most valuable resource they have is, is time, right? Now, money's pretty valuable, but time, I would say, is a bit more valuable because uh, if you want to do anything, you need time, and if you want to do some things, you need money, right? If you want to hang out with your family, you need time. In every single country uh, in the world, um, women live longer than men, right, by an average of like four or five years. Mm. Now, <clears throat> I look at that, that's a, a systemic inequality, about as systemic as you get, I look at that and I say, well, I actually don't think that's an issue. I think that's a non-issue uh, because it might be partly biological. It might be um, that men crash their cars, men, uh, you know, take more risks, whatever. I look at that and I feel no need to say, hey, that's an unequal outcome of an important resource like time. And I feel no need to go and equalise it, right? Because this is one of the things about equality of outcome is that it's very rare to achieve an equality of outcome by lifting one group up. It's almost always achieved by uh, bringing one group down, right? So if you wanted to achieve a quality of outcome in life expectancy, mm. uh, you would actually need to, uh, you know, take a range of measures to stop women living as long, right? And that's, mm. that's, that's the truth for almost every other equality. So if you say, well, we want equal uh, women and men on board, it's on, on board positions. It's not like we create a whole lot new board of board positions and uh, just like have women. Mm. It's like... Uh, of the existing uh, board positions, we stop hiring men and we increase okay. hiring of women. Yeah. Um, and so I think equal opportunity is good. I think equal opportunity, uh, sorry, I think equal uh, equality of outcomes is yeah. almost always a, a yeah. bad idea. And often because the inequality is not an issue. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you uh, most parts, but I actually, bringing it back to the idea of nuance, yeah, I think I agree with you quite a lot there, Sachin. Like, we, we can debate about this for a long time, but, like, in the end of the day, we're going to sort of stand for, like, equal opportunity for everyone. Um, I, I, think, I think I think from a general difference. observation, and I'm, I was guilty of this before, every time someone would bring up to me an issue they were facing as a woman, or I'd see it on Facebook, there's always arguments kind of contrasting and saying, oh, but men, male suicide is higher, but this, but that, but yeah. that. It's never kind of like... It. Yeah, it's never... Exactly. It's always kind of like men versus women, which you kind of just said is like bring it into equilibrium. I don't actually agree with that. Um, and something also to bring up is that a lot of people would suggest that... Wait, why, why do you not agree with that? Like, I, I don't, I don't think, like, for example, the life expectancy thing. I think if we, from a younger age, we encourage men to take less risks or um, kind of maybe 
have a like increase their propensity to take risks. They could be men could increase and women would also just stay the same. Like I don't necessarily think in that example you, women would have to come down essentially, um, or we could have advancements that kind of decrease the risk of prostate cancer or something like that. That's doing nothing to the quality of women, but it's helping men. Um, but something else I want to bring up in, while we're into this debate is that a lot of people suggest that um, women going to areas like the nursing and all those kind of areas that have do actually have lower incomes than jobs men choose, a lot of that I've actually, I actually didn't know this. So I used to always think that, look, women choose these careers that have lower things because they're more nurturing and all that kind of stuff. But actually when I looked into it, it's all a socialization thing. So it's all the way women are socialized from an early age to want to do these things more. There's actually no, sure? that's, there's um, no biological I'm, differences. I'm, I'm sympathetic with that, but that, that's not true. Mm. Um, if you look at, so the UN ranks that does some rankings on countries by like gender equality. Yeah. Now, the countries at the top of the list are Scandinavian countries, right? They have kind of the most progressive like social policies, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, if you have a guess at which countries have the highest proportion of women in teaching and nursing, it's also the Scandinavian countries. And if you go to India, um, it's a relatively equal gender balance in like the IT industry, which dominates India because they're the only jobs that are available. So if you're a man or a woman, you go into those jobs. Yeah. But if you go to Scandinavia and you minimise the socialisation difference to, to the maximum extent any countries have, yeah. actually the biological difference gets maximised. And so in yeah. those countries, I you actually see the maximal difference well. in... in, mm. in but when I went to search for that, like I had that perspective before and I was like, cool, when I went to search for it, everything that I found, maybe maybe I didn't search properly, but every um, peer-reviewed article I found suggested that there was no biological difference and it's all a socialization well, thing. But my, we can sort of get into an argument there that there's no such thing as like almost biological difference, like everything is social, socialization. Yeah, to some extent, but I think we have to acknowledge that it's not like a, it's, well, this comes into freedom of choice and like all that kind of stuff. And I don't think we should go down that rabbit hole, but I'd be interested to see like a, a different perspective. But like when I looked into it, that's what I found. I, I, yeah, I think, I feel like what's being said is that Males and females who have certain characteristics, generally, mm. um, obviously an individual you can take on whatever you want, mm. and those from those characteristics you partly sort of get pushed towards different lines of work. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, well, um, <clears throat> I think yeah, like I, I I agree with you guys. I think it's I think it's good that you guys are, are kind of open minded. I would like to ask what in terms just so I can kind of clearly understand your position. Mm. Um, overall, what would you say or what leads you to the conclusion that um, women overall have it, uh, less opportunity than men? Um, in terms of, if you look on like the boards of companies, if you look at people in high career roles, but CEOs that are women, that's, that's a lot that's, less. Talk that's, about outcome, though. that's not opportunity. Oh, sorry, opportunity. Um, I would say we like, definitely we live in the time when opportunity is the best. I would honestly say right now, with the reforms, there's probably not that much difference in opportunity, but mm. there is still a difference in outcome. And I think that the difference in outcome will tra transcend and hopefully carry through but when these opportunities get capitalized on. Um, I'd actually have to think about that one. I don't yeah, have yeah. a straight answer. So, so. the, the reason why I think that's important is because <clears throat> I see sometimes in, in some, like I try to read like progressive news as well. Um, it's like, well, why are we talking about the intricacies of something when overall we know there's this general trend of, um, uh, like women being more oppressed, women having less opportunities, mm. and it's almost used to kind of brush away any arguments against the point that's being discussed. Mm. And then we say, we ask, well, what's the foundation of your uh, assertion that generally women have it worse off than men? Mm. And it's, it's, 
that is less discussed than it should be, at least. Yeah. At least, like, if we're going to make that general mm. kind of claim, we should have a foundation that, like, well, yeah. they get it harder, harder off here, here, and here. Because yeah. at the same time, we can talk about, like, issues men face. And I'm, like, not, like, a men's rights mm. activist or anything, but I'm someone who says, well, like, if... <clears throat> The, the homeless rate, uh, the homelessness rate of men is much higher. The suicide rate is much higher. The the percentage of, of men in dangerous jobs is much higher. Um, the uh, how men get treated in like family court systems. Um, it's like well, there's a range of unique problems that men also face. Um, mm. And I'm not here to say who's more or less, but yeah. I'm saying like we should probably take it on a case by case basis. But um, I think that women and men um like face unique challenges and, yeah. I, and i'm not sure that saying one is more oppressed or one is less oppressed is is like helpful mm. 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 um yeah i think that's a good point because i don't think we should be using excuses so like people might try and talk about feminism and like certain inequality of outcomes you're like oh but men face this i don't think that's good to use the mm. excuse yeah. Mm. but yeah look at each of them we both have our challenges both how can we lift each other up yeah i, I agree with you i don't know if I, I like this word oppression oppressive oppression mm. fuck i fucked that up i don't like the word okay. oppression um and i don't like a lot of women would say they're oppressed and that's something that i think we need to talk to some women yeah we're, that's, well. that's what i was about to say yeah. we as men don't fully understand the issues they face mm. and of course we can look at statistics and stuff like yeah. that and by the same merit you'll say that men they don't mm. understand the issues but men i think want there's to face. also other things coming into play so we're just looking at a purely economic sort of jobs careers terms mm. things like sexual assault sort of sexual harassment mm. how do those come into effect and maybe influence this arena yeah mm -hmm. um obviously like workplace harassment and sexual assault yeah does this lead certain women to not want to pursue a career in certain areas yeah does it lead them not to want to progress up a hierarchy because they think they're going to get challenged yeah i don't know that's something i want to investigate yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a really so good i point. think we should talk to some women yeah. about this we have plenty of women we can talk to about yeah this. we don't have like i never experienced life as a woman and when you <laughs> yeah. when you um when you mentioned like why do you guys seem hesitant to talk about this kind of thing i think it's also because we don't fully understand and yeah i think part of me it's like i don't want to offend anyone but like i think i should go from the stepping stone that like i want to pursue truth and like re do mm. my own research and then mm. listen to other people yeah yeah, like I fully, uh, fully on board with like the sexual assault, workplace harassment, and stuff. Like mm. that's overwhelmingly like a, a female issue that that females uniquely mm. face, mm. Um, that that men don't face on like a mm. comparable level. And so, by all means, let's let's try and fix that. Let's 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 help that situation. Um, but uh, you raised a really interesting point, I think, because basically, I think all the truths that or the, the answers we need to find that are the most important often are the most contentious, right? Mm -hmm. So the the contentiousness of the argument is often a, a, a symbol of its importance, right? Okay. And so if you want to find the answer to contentious arguments, I think by default, you basically have to risk offending people that's who true. are who are involved I, in that argument. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I think I think we have this sort of culture. I think social media definitely comes into play where we don't have this idea of like bringing up an idea and welcoming the idea, but also criticizing it yeah. until you get to the point where the idea is refined and you've sort of found the truth. Well, you sort of found the truth because with social media you put an idea up and people just attack and criticize mm. but they don't welcome it and it, there's no back and forth sort of debate yeah. mm. and so i think like uh, things like this are good because it's like where yeah contentious issue but like sort of back and forth yeah i think that um the reason we don't have that thing is because a lot of people 
who very much believe in these things, believe in progress, and they feel like if you challenge them, even if you're just challenging them out of intellectual curiosity, you're challenging their beliefs and you're challenging this progressive yeah. nature, and it's like, I do Well, that's a bit of like, that sort of comes into virtue signaling there, like mm. where you sort of say like, oh, I'm, um, I'm X person, then if you say um, something that has to do with X, then like you're totally against X, but that's yeah. not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I do think it's kind of in the current climate, it's kind mm -hmm. of hard to challenge certain ideas and yeah. have rational discussions yeah. at some points. Yeah. There's always, of yeah. course, there's going to be people that yeah. do challenge them and yeah. do have rational discussions, but at some points yeah. it is... What, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's really good. I think one of the best things we have in kind of... Uh, in our society, let's say, is the ability to have a really firm, strong, robust disagreement yes. with somebody, yeah. but also have the underlying assumption that they disagree with you because of a range of reasons. It's not they disagree with you because they're evil. It's they mm. disagree with you because they have a range of reasons. Yeah. Now, We're even very if, privileged to do this in Australia. Absolutely. And even if you 100% convince your reasons are better, um, the, the assumption that the reason why you have a disagreement is because of a, of a misunderstanding or a range of facts mm. that someone isn't aware of or whatever is, is actually a really good thing because often, <clears throat> and I, I partially don't like talking in generalities like this, um, mm. But there's all, particularly when you really, really believe in something and you really believe in like a good ideal, like this is, this is going to help the world, mm. it's very easy to believe that anybody who disagrees with you is kind of stopping the, the goodness that you can yeah. bring mm. to the world That's and is kind of say. by extension almost evil. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like... I can under I can un totally understand where that's coming from mm. because there's there's a range of times in history when when that's totally correct and yeah. that has been the case. Yeah. But I really do appreciate the assumption that you can have that like intelligent, well-meaning people can have a, a firm disagreement about something um, and not make it personal or or uh, mm. and kind of pursue the truth. It's together. hard. It's hard when yeah. you're so emotional about something and if it affects you specifically. Like for example, I can say that if someone kind of challenge climate change or something like that i would be emotional about it i can't like mm. i'm not that yeah. level-headed enough to be like okay i'm gonna listen yeah, to you i think like, it's because you, you see this thing and you agree with it so much and it's so important that yeah. anyone that sort of disagrees with any minute detail with it you see them yeah, you sort yeah. of see them as an evil person yeah, yeah so you've sort of got to get past that by like seeing having emotion but also the logic this, this the is reason. actually a cognitive bias i can't remember what it's called but it's like you attribute things to yourself to things that you can't control, external factors, but you attribute everything someone else does to internal factors, like it's a judgment on them. Mm. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean by that? So, so, like, so if I was like, if I made a mistake and I um, accidentally offended someone, I would just, personally, I would attribute it to um, me having a bad day or something like that. Mm. But if you offend, if like, I didn't know you and you offended someone else, I'll attribute it to your personality. Mm. Mm. That's and really your beliefs. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of extending off that idea, you mentioned some things about how you think overwhelmingly Trump is a positive figure. Mm. Or not? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Yeah. But Wait, did you uh, say that? Uh, well, that's what I believe in. Anyway. Oh, okay. But um, I think in Australia, mm -hmm. I would say a minimum 90% of people don't like him. They don't yeah. like his policies. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I personally don't like him at all. I think he's like racist. I think he's um, sexist. A few things, and I just think that. Overall, he's not a good person. Mm -hmm. um, but in the spirit of challenging everything, I'm really, yeah. I'm really interested yeah. to hear your perspective. I, on yeah, I'm, I think we're always trying to take this from a neutral perspective. Mm. Say we don't know someone. Like, I don't know much about Trump. Some mm. headlines about him. Mm. Um, and just, like, delve into your idea and mm. why you think that. And then we can criticise him. Sure. Well, um, if, if let's, in the hypothetical situation that, that Trump was a racist, 
he would probably be the world's least effective racist because of how well every other non-white race has done under his presidency, right? Mm. So if you look at unemployment rates, living standards among like Hispanics, Black Americans, Asians, whatever, they're all vastly superior under Donald Trump's but presidency. Is, but that's like, like, is that, he controlling but he, that? Like that's the economy. Like yeah. he doesn't control the whole economy. He, what policies has he enacted that have directly helped their lives? Okay, sure. Let's talk about the First Step Act, prison reform, mm. um, where a lot of people who have gone to prison for too long or under dubious circumstances get uh, let out back into into society. Now, mm. um, if you look at uh, what uh, Obama... Obama didn't do anything for the black community in America. I mean, Obama is from Chicago, and yet Chicago is called... Colo- you know, some people call Chicago Chirac, because I think Chicago, in terms of per capita murder rates, is is uh, either first or second in the world. Maybe only uh, with Syria, I think it's mm-hmm. only it's only behind Syria, which is a war zone, mm-hmm. right? The amount of people that get kill, killed there like every day is is insane. Um, but I mean, if you look at uh, the reason why you can attribute a lot of the success of uh, the economy to Donald Trump is because he's had big economic influence in terms of the big tax cut he did and in terms of the deregulation agenda. Now, when you deregulate things, you give businesses more room to move um, and that they have less compliance mm-hmm. um, and that often means they can end up hiring more mm-hmm. people. Right? Something we were just talking about um, on our previous podcast was about sort of inequality in America and how we, we believe it's going to get worse for automation and AI. Mm-hmm. Um, so big tax cuts, yeah, it gives big business uh, more room to move. Does this just sort of um, increase inequality and does this hurt the And Trump obviously worker? has his own business um, in the back of his, not in the back of his mind, but to think mm-hmm. about as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, in terms of inequality, I think it's a really interesting one. Income inequality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, it ties back to our discussion before. I basically think income inequality is as long as the wealth that was earned by people at the top, it was earned fairly. I don't think income inequality is an issue. And here's why. The places where you find income equality in the world are all the poorest countries in the world because everybody is equally poor. Winston Churchill said that so, uh, that capitalism is the unequal sharing. What about Scandinavia? They have really low rates of income inequality. Uh, dude, not not as uh, they wouldn't have as low income inequality as like uh, Africa yeah. or, or yeah, like communist China in, in, or, in developed countries though. Sure, but um, Scan- Scandinavia has redistribution programs, which which we can talk about redistribution programs. But at the end of the day, um, unless you give everybody equal amount of money, you're going to have. Uh, Inequality. inequality, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't think we argue, we, we don't argue against inequality. We, we don't look for like a communist state. We just, we, I think what we want is like everybody in society to be able to have like sort of decent living standards for their wages to be sort of kept up, kept on increasing and, and to be and, like afford at home in a city. For, not for some people, like I think the eight richest people in the world right now have more wealth than the bottom 1.2 billion. Like things like that, I just think are pretty. Yeah, and, and we can got to break that down further. Um, we, we we can absolutely have a talk about that, but I'll I'll give you my spin on it. As long as the rich people earn their wealth, and I'll tell you what I mean by earn their wealth in a second. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's absolutely fine, and we should probably actually celebrate their wealth, right? So, <clears throat> let's say you're um, let's say you're Bill Gates, right? Mm-hmm. And you make a really good computer product, mm-hmm. right? So the way you make money in in capitalism as opposed to communism. Mm-hmm is you have a product that somebody else wants to buy, okay? And so uh, you give them the product and they give you money, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why they give you money is because that product that you're giving them is worth more to them than that amount of money is, Mm -hmm. right? So 
the only way for you to get rich is to give some is to make somebody else else's circumstance better than it would have otherwise been if you didn't make the product because if if it didn't make their life better uh, they wouldn't have bought the product but that's assuming right? that we're humans are rational and we're not like we don't if i if i if i bought a gucci bag or something like that um, that's assuming that that Gucci bag is maximizing my utility and a lot of behavioral economics will tell you that humans aren't always rational in the decision making, right? So mm -hmm. they don't, every, every product or that's service... That's sort of on is, you though. Yeah, but it's like, but then we can't really say that it kind of overwhelmingly yeah. increases. Well, I would, say, I would say two things. Firstly, um, it, it, it's not necessarily all the time in, in monetary value, right? Okay. So if you go and buy a photo album to keep family photos and you pay 20 bucks for it, mm. you're not going to get 20 bucks back. You're going to get family memories back. Yeah. In the same way, if you go and buy a Gucci bag, it's not going to help you make more money, but you might say it's worth five or 10 grand in terms of the social validation you get from mm. your friends, right? And so... And I think we have to give people the freedom to sort yeah. of pursue things and, like and, that. Mm. And why is that important? Well, it's important because... Our default position should be, in my, in my opinion, to give citizens, to give regular people the power to decide what's best for their life, right? Because if you don't do that, it's the government making that decision, right? So the government says to you, um, no, you can't have X, Y, Z because we don't think that's Why good is it bad if the government sort of like maybe nudges you in a way or sort of helps you make the best decisions, in uh, your opinion? Well, because the government usually does a really terrible job. Right, so in usually it's the places with the biggest governments in the world that are. But if humans can't rationally make themselves happy, this is stuff we did in philosophy of happiness, right? Um, just by devil's advocate to your idea, if we can't rationally make ourselves happy, and I don't think that's necessarily true. And that, but there's and there's objective things that we could be doing that um, the government could enact that like would make us more happy. Do you think that's well, like what 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 type of things would would we talk about? Um, let's say, let's, let's take a, a very basic example and say that um, limiting Netflix to two hours a day to encourage more social connectivity. Mm. But then that's like a literally a totalitarian... Yeah, no, no, this is, this is just, this is, we're not talking about the, go like the government, we're just saying if like the specific... Yeah, sure, I, I, yeah, I know, I fully understand where you're coming from. I think though that <laughs> there's, our humans can act rationally. Well, of course, not all the time, right? Yeah. Basically, every person... Uh, there, there's a whole lot of people in the world who will go and drink um, a bottle of Coke every day, mm. right, instead of a bottle of water. Now, if you're a rational person, you're, you're usually going to take the bottle of water over the bottle of Coke. And maybe yeah. sometimes if you're at a party, you might have the Coke. But yeah, there's yeah. a lot of people who will every day go and drink Coke and, and hamburgers and, mm -hmm. uh, and whatever. And it's kind of irrational, yeah. right? And so... <clears throat> The, the individual person is, is not perfect. Like, I'm not perfect. Everybody else, uh, you know, has, has a range of problems. Um, but it's like, well, who, give, who do you give the overall power to? You know, default. Because there's obviously some things that the government has to, you know, probably has to have power of, like, you know, taxing you so they can build roads and military and stuff. And that's, you know, if, when the government taxes you, it's, it's like you don't have a choice in it, right? You don't have a choice in it. It's either you pay it or you go to jail. Um, but... For I think as as much uh, as we can, we should usually trust the person to make their own decisions, um, because of, because often the govern the government does it badly. And why um, do they do it badly? Why do you think they do it badly? Well, because when you give a, a person absolute power and no accountability, like to have the police and the army and, and whoever behind them, um, I don't think that I, I don't think that is conducive for uh, like good decisions. I think it like you often create corruption, um, and I think. 
uh, one of the other problems with government is that they're, they're often quite inefficient, right? And the reason why they're inefficient is because they're never at risk of going broke, right? They never have like tar targets they have to meet or else they go bust. I mean, the worst case is that they get voted out, then they'll probably get voted in in you yeah. know, however many years. Um, but if you're a private firm and, and you mark up, it's like you're going out of business, mm. you're going in debt, your mm. family's losing their house, you mm. might be getting divorced, you know, w whatever. Um, so the government has a, has, has a lot less um, mm. incentive to, yeah. to, to do a Just good to job. Just to bring this into a more practical and contemporary perspective. So I think I'd definitely agree with like parts of that, but then I'd say like there's some things that the government must do. Yeah. Um, roads, education, that sort of standard stuff. Um, what do you think now maybe the government in Australia should be doing differently and putting more in the hands of private enterprise? Mm. Yeah, well, this is, this is one of the things is that it's very easy. When you have a podcast, it's very easy to be the couch critic and say, you know, I yeah, know what's yeah, best yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You guys need to do this. But yeah. in reality, if, if you put, a, you know, a lot of the political pundits in, uh, you know, in the government, they'd kind of have no idea what they're doing. And, and I'm, I'm kind of the same. One of the things I would say, though, that I'd like to see um, is a little bit more... Uh, free speech protection. Um, there's a range of people, uh, like, I don't like the 18C thing where if you uh, risk offending someone, um, then you can go to jail because I think, um, I think people should be allowed to say whatever they like uh, in, in kind of how they feel. I think that's, uh, you almost Do you always think there produce should a better limits to free speech? Well, there are, there are ones that most countries have, like um, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Um, <laughs> fire? Yeah. Why? So if you're in, if you're watching a movie, oh, you can oh, get up. And sorry, get I just had like a mental. <laughs> I thought it had some deep meaning to it. Yeah. Um, no, um, but it, do I think there should be limits? Like in Europe, they have um, like Holocaust denial laws. So if you're in Germany, you can go to jail for denying the Holocaust publicly. Just saying it out of your mouth. Mm. Policeman come to your door, put you in handcuffs, arrest you, and take you to jail. Now, I would uh, disagree with that. I don't think you should go to jail for that. Um, I think that. Free speech, most fundamentally, is like a problem-solving mechanism, yeah. right? Because we often don't have the answers. But there might be some guy over there who does. And there might be a thousand other people next to him who are terrible racists, uh, whoever. Mm. But if we if we get rid of the racists, we might also get rid of the Charles Darwin or the Copernicus or the Galileo, as they were all persecuted by the Catholic Church. Might get rid of Jesus by so the Pharisees. Issue. What do you think about that, Sachin? Like, just on that one issue, if you say, I, this is such a, like, a touchy subject. Um, um, uh, like... Over, overwhelmingly, like, I agree with the moral premise, but I don't think it's enacted in the right way. Like, I, I don't see how any logical person would deny the Holocaust or whatever. Yeah, but, but we've got to, in reality, there are, and we've got to go from there. Well, uh, look, I'm inclined to say there should be some punishment, but maybe not jail time. I, I don't think it's right to be jail time, but honestly, in terms of freedom of speech, I'm more on the kind of, we should have it to progress forward in some ways, but it should be, like the government should limit it to like a very small extent and like things like the racial discrimination act in australia i think are good um things like bullying bullying harassment things i think all those things are good like those limits on freedom of speech but in terms of like denying mm. but, but those are the, like for example bullying harassment that's in the context of like a workplace mm. this freedom of speech this is in the context of just being an individual yeah, so yeah let's let's take an example a contentious example right now mm. um 
Twitter says that if you um, kind of refer to somebody by their old pronouns, you misgender somebody, or you say yeah. there are two biological genders, that counts as a strike against you on Twitter. Yeah. Now, if you say that there's two biological genders, yeah. that's a strike against you. Yeah. Really? Now, there's probably uh, a- at least a significant portion, maybe a majority of the population that believes that. Wait, two biological genders? Yeah. I, I So, but, but isn't there? Like, I know, like, I'm not coming from a dumb perspective, but um, so we've got, like, this idea of bio- biology and then well, you've got sort of gender. Well, you've got but, like, doesn't everyone agree that there's two biological, but then there's different genders? No, because if you are... Um, well, because if you say that somebody who identifies as a woman, but you call them a biological man, that's that can be harassment or discrimination. Okay, or... yeah, I understand that. But doesn't everybody agree yeah, as two yeah. biological genders? I, I think so. Of... What Adam's saying is that everyone. The debate isn't about whether there's two biological genders. Gender in society as it is now, there's multiple genders, more yeah, than two that, genders, but there's was... not more than two biological genders. Um, well, you, you... We don't really know much you, about this. Yeah, you, I... you, you might be right. I did. I saw one debate where there was a professor from New Zealand saying that the, 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 the gender binary was, was kind of constructed in the medical world, but I don't know, I, I don't know what the consensus is on, mm. on whether they're, they're biolog- biological or not. But at the same time, if you see... Um, you see on things like the whether women go into STEM or engineering or, or a range of other issues, there's a range of people saying there's no biological difference between how men and women work. They're saying it's all socialisation. Yeah, yeah that's, um, what, that's what was, I was saying before. Yeah. Um, I, there are, well, I saw studies that show that. Well, well so, then, so then there is the question, is there two biological genders or not? Because if there are biological genders, um, then that's a natural explanation for different outcomes mm. in, in some cases between men and women, mm. um, and if uh, which would go against some parts of the feminist narrative, like the socialisation of women not yeah. going into STEM. Yeah. But if there was um, not two genders, then uh, if there was not two biological genders, then we'd basically be facing like a scientific revolution, right? Where all the science we did, all the science that you have on done on like animals, yeah, uh, mm. all the psychology. But like um, co- coming back to what we we're talking about before, I think if people identify as a certain gender, um, and that's what they want to be called, I think that they should be called but, that. But there's this point that if you have to call someone something. Yep. By law, then that's actually limiting your free speech. Yeah, yeah, I and understand what if, that. And but the point is, is it embodied in truth? Like, is it grounded by truth? So, like this idea of I think if it's their truth, I don't, I don't know if there's a but, universal truth on the issue. But then your, if it's your truth, you're causing someone else by law to have to call you a certain way. So you're bringing your individual truth mm-hmm. to yeah, apply yeah, universally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I understand that. But this is this is my argument to all these kinds of things. Yes, on a premise of when you explain it like that, yeah, I think it may not be correct, but in ter- I think they're necessary precautions to have for now to achieve progress. I think in this in the five to ten year um, period, those are the kind of things, limits on freedom of speech that may need to be had to achieve progress in that domain, the desired progress. I, yeah, I think we should always go off truth. That should be the number one thing. This idea of progress, like, of course progress is important, but you don't, just progress but for I the sake of it. You should progress from truth. But I don't know. I just don't think you can tell someone if they feel that strongly that they're wrong or that's not that it's not the truth. I, I'm not saying that. Mm. I didn't I, say I'm, I'm not saying. I'm, I'm talking about the law and legislation. Whether you say yeah. within the law that you have to call someone. Is, is that the case right now? I know it's uh, within I believe, Twitter. I'm not sure if in Australia, but in I think it was in Canada. Um, there's like a very long range of different genders, yeah. and you and by law. 
they'll bring in in, in this act that you have to yeah. pull someone. I think overarchingly, I think sometimes we need to limit these things if we want to achieve progress. If we if we want to achieve so progress. Here's here's one question I'd ask is like, but you got to ask like, why are you wanting that progress? Is it grounded in truth? I think if it, mm, I like I don't know enough about it to say if it is grounded in truth mm. or not. But don't you think that if we don't know enough about it, we should hesitate before putting it into law is the first thing I'd say. But I think I would agree with that. also, I think like <clears throat> progress can be very, it's like, well, what do you mean by progress, number mm. one? But how do you measure the progress, right? Mm. So if you say five to 10 years, like how do you know once 10 years is up that you've achieved mm. what you want to achieve? Because there mm. might still be people in 10 that, years saying yeah. two genders will That's go to jail. That's another thing I was sort of pointing at. Um, and then, and my problem is, is that if you have the government in charge of it, and my gut feeling is the way you, the way you speak about uh, climate change, you'll pro- you probably have have some bones to pick with Scott Morrison in a, in a, in ways a range of other people have problems to pick with with Labor and and whichever mm. government, is that a lot a lot of people think the people in charge are not very good, yeah, yeah. and then to have those same people with the police behind them with the army behind them deciding what you can and can't say and what you go to jail for, I think that's actually a very dangerous proposition. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But I think overwhelmingly, I believe in like kind of iterative learning, the sense we should try a certain thing and see if it achieves a bit of progress, see if it limits freedom of speech, see what happens, rather than thinking about things just academically and then... Sure, but I just don't think that you can, you should be able to have the power to send somebody to jail over a trial. This thing Mm. about the iterative process, I disagree. So I do agree you try things if they fail, but some things are too important that you can't just try and fail. But we already have limits of freedom of speech. Like, how does it, how does that, how is it so different? It is because you're saying that you have to call someone something by law and you might like, and you need to find out whether it's grounded in truth first. Mm. Like, I, I, you can't, I don't think you can just put it, I'm not like speaking that against it, but I don't, like, I don't think you just immediately put into law. But and, like, how, just do you, how do you determine it? Like, how, like, for example, the Discrimination Act, how do you say that that's grounded in truth? Um, sorry, can you? It's just like you can't be you can't be racist to other people. What truth is that grounded in? Um, so, I'm not sure what particular truth, but I think if I had to say it was that based on each other's race, we shouldn't treat each other differently. But I just think in the premise of this whole gender thing, it does not affect us at all, and it affects other people a lot. So why not make their life better? I, well, I, it, I, it I does, agree it, that you should like be able to like call people like you should. I know the law. I'm just saying by the law. Mm, yeah, like I'm not 100 percent sold on either side. Sure. So in the yeah, me in, either, in me the, either. It was in the Canadian human uh, human rights. Um, I think the Canadian human rights suggestion, or, or whatever it was called, which is what made Jordan Peterson famous, um, and that's the, the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal. And they said they were. Uh, I think they said there were at least fifty genders, right? Mm. Now, if if you're saying you're not sure if they're grounded in biology, and there are at least fifty that each have their own pronouns. Um, I don't think there's a case why anyone should be sent to jail for or fined or apprehended by police uh, for misgendering somebody, particularly if there's that many and if it's if it's not grounded in truth or, or if at least the, the grounding in truth is questionable. Yeah. Um, Coming, I, I don't know if you're still going on that, but I also wanted to, before we finish up, I want mm. to touch on um, what you said before about your political orientation in terms yep. of you think wealth is earned, you think that it's kind of this way, how does that factor into mm-hmm. um, people inheriting wealth, inheriting so good positions, good inheriting um, privilege? Mm. Yeah, so I think that uh, as long as wealth is earned, it's like legitimate, and that's why uh, I, I'm not convinced that it, you know income inequality is, is, is such an issue. In terms of inherited wealth, um, 
I think it, it comes back to the person who, who inherited it, right? And you might go back as many generations and say, well, he didn't, but, he didn't. But it's easy to say income is earned and like stuff like that. Like I very, I do agree to capitalism to some degree, but we have to acknowledge that when you're born, you're not in that equal playing field to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so like your earning potential isn't the same as anyone else. You don't have to work the same. But I, yeah, I think one of the, like the features of capitalism saying that, that doesn't have to be particularly bad. Like we create opportunity for everyone, but some people will be born with more money and that's the way it is. Yeah, but then, like, what's your argument to that? Like, is that fair? Um, well, it's not fair, but, like, well, it's not fair. Yeah, but, he, but he's saying that wealth so like, wealth should be earned and stuff like that, which mm. I agree with, but you're kind of, like... Yeah, sure. I think if... Uh, short answer. I think if it's earned by, like, your parents or your grandparents yeah. and they give it to you, I think, I think that's, that, that counts as earned because it was earned by somebody before them. Yeah. And I think that if you were to put, like, a really big inheritance tax on, I mean... <clears throat> a lot of the reasons why our parents work is so they can look after us, right? Mm. Or, or why a lot of people's parents mm. work. is so, And if you say, well, look, any money you earn can't go to your kids, it's like, I think a lot of people stop working because the motivation, I mean... So does do you it, believe does, in progressive taxation? Uh, yeah, I think progressive taxation is probably good, but it's one of the things I really don't know that much about. Yeah. Um, I think that... Uh, yeah, I, I would say I don't know. I would say I don't know much about it. Mm. Um I would say, though, that sometimes uh, if you look at, <laughs> let's take an instance of like mainland China under like Chairman Mao versus like communist, uh, sorry, versus like Hong Kong, right? Yeah. So you had Ho- Hong Kong was basically like a capitalist paradise. You had like super low taxes. There wasn't a lot of like government regulation. Um, but, you know, mainland China was the reverse, right? They just overthrew the bourgeoisie. Yeah. Um, they were redistributing wealth like it was nobody's business. It was, um, it, you know, it. Ch- China had like a... a you know, over a billion people, heaps of natural resources, um, but yet people were still flocking, uh, risking their lives to get into Hong Kong where there was kind of no social safety net. Um, but there was opportunities, right? And I'm not giving a, I'm not giving a defense of like free market capitalism in the same way I'm, I'm not just like trying to throw China under the bus. You know, I have a lot of time for China. Um, but I think as well to remember sometimes um, there is, sometimes there yeah. yeah, when you finish up. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll just finish this. Is that um, sometimes when you have um, kind of more power in, in the market, in, in capitalism, in, in businesses, and, and less power in the government, I would say there's a, a good argument to say that actually translates into higher living outcomes for average people. Okay, and we might wrap that up there. Okay, I just um, want to say that this is probably like my favourite episode because this is like really challenged me. And I think that's what we should be seeking to do, like... Like, you want to get people you agree with, people you don't agree with, people that are just, like, random and, like, always try and do a back and forth so you can learn, go more towards truth. Yeah. So I found this very interesting. Um, Is there one thing that you want to leave the audience with? Sure. It can be Um, a quote, can be anything. Well, I I just want to say I really enjoyed my time here and and I'm confident that... You know, no matter how much we kind of disagreed on on a range of things, we can walk out of here. We can we can be friends. We can mm. go about our daily business. Um, and hopefully, like I'm going to go back, I can look into like the the science on the gender pay gap stuff, the socialization, the psychology, and yeah, I don't know. If yeah, you, me and, too. With and um, that stuff. and hopefully, we can actually come a little bit closer together mm. afterwards, mm. and we can kind of block out the, mm. the the fake news from the real news and the yeah. truth from the lies. I guess this is like what democracy is meant to be about, like free individuals like iterating their own sort of ideas and like fighting yeah. with words in a civil manner to mm. come to truth. Yeah, yeah. I think that 
me and Adam try and like be rational as much as we can and challenge like for, for some things we may even agree with our guests and stuff but we still challenge them anyway just because we want um, mm, to find a nuanced view but yeah that was episode three of season two yeah really enjoyed that okay beautiful